0: he is so good and he's always faithful amen we serve a great God yes, that's right. you know I go through many homes in my career amen as a uh someone that offers customer service. And I see a lot of stuff. And there's one thing that always sticks out to my mind as I venture through these these homes. I see how people live. I see how people Sometimes try to hide things and I walk in and I see things they probably don't want no one to see. And then some things are just blatant, they're out there. And one of those things that came to my mind as I approached this pulpit was the love or is the love that they have for the deity that they represent. Sometimes I'll walk into a place, you can be seated. Sometimes I'll walk into a place where there's statues erected and incense burning and all the other things that go with worship. And, and I respect that. I respect that in a sense that they're not afraid to proclaim what they do, what they love, who they worship, as far as they know it. And I would wonder what the world would think if they walked into my home or your home. Do we display our beliefs? Do people recognize uh, our lifestyle? without even mentioning what we represent. It was just a thought that I had, and I do have. We are faced, and thank you, Brother Joe, thank you for what you said this morning, because I was really battling with two messages. And the one that I want to talk about is a message that I've entitled, Trials of Our Faith. Trials of Our Faith. And I hope to bring out this morning, as we go through this lesson, and I'm going to try my very best just to teach this lesson without getting a little loud. And I know I say that all the time. But I'm going to do my, my very best to try to teach this. Because sometimes we lose sight of who we are and what God is trying to do in our lives. Sometimes we allow the little things to mess up our thinking, mess up our mind. But God, God allows that to happen. So those things that are hidden inside of an individual can be manifested, can be revealed. Because if it's never manifested and if it's never brought to the surface, you will never deal with it. It will always be in that dark place and it will always fester up. if We never deal with the things that can hurt us in the long run. God can never produce that fruit, as Brother Joe said. And you will always have that problem. You will always have that issue because the little things in life really don't matter. It doesn't matter. And the reality is, whether you're striving to do something for God or you're running away from God, You're trying to do good or you're trying to stay away from what God has called you to do. You're still going to face problems. So it doesn't matter if you think you're goody two shoes. It doesn't matter if you're the most rebellious person in the whole world. When God brings something to the surface, you need to let God deal with that something. Whatever it is. Now, I have to tell you, there's a lot of things I've learned in life, but I didn't learn this overnight. It took me, well, I'm going on 63. And I'm still learning. And God is still showing me things. And things are still rising to the surface. Because God is trying to fix this old boy. Paul said it this way. He says, the older I get, the more I see how corrupt my human nature is. And that's human nature. That's our flesh. So for a few minutes, if you will allow me, I want to teach on trials of our faith. And we find this in Matthew chapter 13, verse 24. I might have you for a little bit. Um, I don't want to really blast through this because there's some very important things that God has shown me. Uh And I believe we have a baptism after service today. Amen. Yeah, you can clap if you want. Amen. If I could have you stand one more time for the reading of the word. It's good to have all the visitors here this morning. If you haven't filled out an invitation card, please fill it out. I will say this, uh, I believe it's on the 13th, it is on the calendar. Um, We will begin teaching at Hope Center. Uh, It's on the 14th, it's a Friday at 7 o'clock. Please keep us in prayer, amen. Our whole purpose is to change lives, to give direction, amen. Matthew 13, verse 24 says, And another parable put he forth unto them saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which soweth good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat, and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst Not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? And he said unto them, An enemy hath done this, or Satan comes in and he sows problems. The servants said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while you gather up the tares or your trials, your problems. You root up also the good things that God is trying to establish in our lives. Let both grow together. In other words, life brings trouble. It's reality. Until the harvest, and in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles, and burn them. There's going to be a day when there's no more problems. But gather the wheat into my barn. Praise God. In other words, when God separates the tares from the wheat, fruit will be manifested. Fruit will be manifested. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for your awesome word today, and I ask you to help me, Lord. Help me to teach this in a way that you would have me teach it, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Bless the people. Amen. Give us understanding. Open our understanding. Help us to receive your word. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. Thank you, Lord. Here we find in the scriptures, in my opinion, one of the greatest revelations of God's Word. It's a description of a real life scenario. A scenario is a written outline of a novel, a detailed scene in action, and This morning, we want to try to shift our understanding this morning as as we see what the Word of God is trying to teach us. The book of Hebrews says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Hand in Scripture is not a literal hand. It's a place of power. Verse 3 says, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against him, lest ye be wearied and faint in your Minds, ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin, and ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children, my son. Despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And scourgeth or scourgeth every son whom he received. Praise God. So God is going to bring correction into your life. God is going to allow certain things to enter into your life for the purpose of correction. For the purpose of bringing those hidden things that we talked about to the surface. And when this happens, sometimes you're going to feel like you've done something wrong, like there's something wrong with you. Peter, who was one of the great apostles, he was given the keys to the kingdom to open the doors of salvation for mankind, Jew, Greek, Gentile. He faced situations, amen, like me and you. And since God is no respecter of persons, we all face the same challenges. They just come with a different type of clothing on it. There's nothing new under the sun, Solomon says. We're all affected by circumstances in life, amen. So when things happen to you, it's no new thing, but understand this, that God is the author, the finisher of our faith, amen. He starts it off and he ends it, praise God. And as long as we understand that, amen, That understand that God has everything in control, that ought to settle your mind. If God really loves you, and he does, even though God allows things into your life, and he will, he's not going to let you fall as long as you follow the steps, amen, Peter said it this way, he said, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and the hope to the end for the grace or the power of God that is brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ, or at the knowledge of who he is and what he's done for you. Verse 14 says, As obedient children not fashioning yourself according to the former lust of your ignorance or your lack of knowledge, what you didn't know. And now that you do know, don't go back, amen, to what you didn't know when God revealed it to you. When God deals with your issue, amen, don't let it fester back up in your brain, in your noggin. But resist it. And so Matthew chapter thirteen, verse twenty-four says this. It says, and another parable he put forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which soweth good seed in his field. My purpose in life, your purpose in life is working in his field. Let me say it again. My calling when God rescued me, when God saved me, is for the purpose of working in his field. For following Jesus. For submitting myself to Jesus. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 17. It says this, it says, And Adam said, and unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened, you've listened, you've paid attention unto the voice of thy wife, nothing against you women, and has eaten of the tree which I commanded thee, saying, Don't eat of it. Don't partake of it. He says, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow, you're gonna work. Thou shalt eat of it all the days of thy life. And it's interesting when he says, thorns and thistles shall it bring forth unto thee, and thou shalt eat of the herbs and the field. You know what, my friend, as long as you live, As long as you tarry on this world, amen, you're going to face thorns and thistles. Something is going to poke you, praise God. It's going to be a constant pricking of your side. Because of what Adam did, we all face the consequences of these thorns and thistles, praise God. Thorns and thistles, if you don't know, are always identified as sin. In fact, a revelation I learned a long time ago is when Jesus died on the cross, they put a crown of thorns and thistles. In other words, he took your sins to the cross. He carried it for you and he carried it for me so we wouldn't have to pick it up. Unfortunately, we live in this body of flesh. And there are things that hinder us. There are things that try to upset us. And it's because tears are sold into our lives from the enemy. Did you hear me? The enemy is here to sow evil, to sow unfruitfulness into our lives, praise God. And God allows that stuff to happen because he wants you to mature. He's trying to strengthen you. He's trying to help you. And so the key to being an overcomer in any trial is understanding this. Understanding what God is trying to do in our lives. Jesus never said it was gonna be easy. He never said you're gonna tiptoe through the tulips all the way through the gates of heaven. In fact, show me someone that struggles in the kingdom of God, and I'll show you someone that God is doing something in their lives. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 26 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It's all His, praise God. It's His field, praise God. And as we begin to work in this field and dig up that old soil, praise God, you're going to get poked. You're going to get pricked. Something's going to happen. You don't know what's under that soil. But our job as people of God are to till the ground. Anybody that raises children knows what I'm talking about. You begin to till the ground of your young ones, amen. They will poke you and they will prick you and they will cut you and they will say things that hurt you, praise God. And they will do things that that blow your mind. But you don't give up on them. I said you don't give up on them. You love them. And you cherish them. And you know that God has you in a position, amen, where you are there to nurture them. Adam was a cultivator. And God set a relationship with Adam, praise God, because he knew that Adam was going to have a wife eventually. And that wife was gonna hurt him and that wife was gonna have him do things that he didn't wanna do. But Adam didn't give up on her, praise God, because Adam knew down the road they were gonna have children and they were gonna have to team up together and raise these kids together and they were both gonna be hurt. And so as the bride of Christ and as God, our Father, we need to team up together. We need to work together because there's situations that are going to come in our lives, praise God, where it's going to hurt us, where it's going to poke us, where we're going to be cut, cut to the core, and we're going to want to give up on God because, God, why did you allow these tears in my life? Why do you allow me to be poked with thorns and thistles? God knows, praise God, if you want to be part of His kingdom, you're going to have to go through the process. You're going to have to be mature in His Word, amen. You need to understand what Jesus is doing in your life. Co laborers teaming up with Jesus. We do it as we fulfill His purpose, as we work in His field. You see, my friend, it's all his. It's all his. It's not yours, amen. You're just helping him, praise God. Proverbs fifteen twenty one says, Folly is joy to him that is destitute in wisdom, praise God. When you don't understand where God has you, what God is trying to do in your life, when you allow the little things in life to upset you, And then you hold a grudge. I'm not talking to him. He hurt me. So what? You love them and you pray for them and you nurture them because they have an issue deep down inside, praise God. And I don't care if they hurt you a thousand times, you nurture that wound. but a man of understanding walketh uprightly. 22 says, without counsel, purposes are disappointed. In other words, they'll fall apart. Without the counsel of God, your purpose in life will fall apart. Yeah, okay, you're doing all right. Yeah, okay. Give it some time, my friend. You want to live in the kingdom of God and you want to play in the world? Give it some time, my friend. Get counsel from the world and see how far you get. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. The planter. The planter in our setting was doing everything he could to provide enough food. For his family. But there was another sower that tried to hinder the harvest. He was trying to fort what this guy was doing. He was doing everything he could. Nothing seemed to work for him. He wasn't doing anything wrong. The Bible says he was sowing good seed. It's not that the planter had bad seed. In fact, the seed he planted was good. The problem was when darkness, listen to me, when darkness settled in, the men slept. And the enemy always comes in to your life, into my life, in the dark times. He sows. Division. He sows discord. It doesn't matter whether you're serving God or not. He is there to destroy you, point blank. When you lose your last breath, his job is done for that soul, and he will not give up on you. He's there to sow discord. The enemy is no respecter of persons. Satan does not distinguish between good and bad. He just sows division. He just sows discord. That's his job. That's what he does, praise God. Where does he sow discord at? He sows discord among the harvest. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. He was more cunning and crafty and clever, praise God, than any beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Hast thou said, hast God said, You should not eat. You see, he tries to question. He tries to question what God told you not to do. If he can can get you to question, if he can get you in a conversation, my friend, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. He's been doing this for 6,000 years He's deceived billions of people. He is a professional liar, praise God. He is very cunning in what he does, amen. Don't think that you can outsmart him, praise God. That's why you need God in your life. That's why you need the influence of the Holy Ghost in your life. So God can give you that defense mechanism. It can beckon you and it can can help you identify what's wrong and what's right. you hearing me this morning John chapter 10 verse 7 says then Jesus said unto them again verily verily truly truly finally finally this is it I say unto you I am the door of the sheep all that ever came before me are thieves and robbers but the sheep did not hear them I am the door, he says, by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. But the thief cometh not for to kill, for to steal, to kill, and destroy. What is he stealing? He's stealing your mind. He's stealing the very seed that God has placed in your mind. He doesn't want it to seep down into your heart and change the way you walk. Are you hearing me today? When God speaks to your mind, let it filter in your heart. And if you do that, God will change your actions. He will change the way you think. He will change what you do in life. He will make you have priorities that you never had before. But if it's just head knowledge, then it's only going to go so far. It won't influence your heart and your heart won't influence your actions. You will be you you'll be stuck in this in this in this place of total head knowledge but there will be no transformation in your life. I come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly, he said. How many times has the Lord called us to reach a world that is lost in sin, and for some reason we want to run from our calling? It could be as simple as a Bible study. It could be as simple as witnessing to somebody. Everybody has a different calling. Everybody is called for a purpose, praise God. And in that calling or in that purpose, there are so many examples that we can look at in the Word of God. So many things, so many different lives that give us detailed information of what I'm talking about today. Now, I don't know if you really understand the importance of who you are in God's purpose, and why he saved you in the first place. I don't know if you really understand that we, the church, have the answer for a world, amen, that is raging in the storms of life, praise God. But just for a few minutes, I want to give you an example of two men that are running. A man that's running away from his calling. A man that's running to his calling both of these men, both of these individuals were affected by seemingly the same storm. The storm was raging, praise God. The first story we find is in the book of Jonah. Jonah chapter one, verse one, it says, now the word of the Lord came. That's how God calls us. When the word of the Lord comes to an individual, And the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise. God doesn't save you to sit on a pew, amen. He says, Arise, praise God. Go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry, or preach, or teach, or do something against it. Why? For the wickedness had come up before me. Then Jonah rose up. He rose up, all right. But he didn't, go to, he didn't go to Nineveh. The Bible says Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Instead of running to God and to God's calling, the Bible says he ran away from God's calling. He ran away from God's presence and he went to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. And so the Bible says, when he left the presence of God, there was a cost involved. Bible says he paid. He paid a fair. Wow. He invested in this running from God. Can you imagine that? He was willing to pay somebody to get him away from the presence of God. You know, that's what sin does. When you invest in the things of the world besides the things of God, you're literally running from the presence of God and you're putting everything you have into what does not benefit you. It doesn't benefit you. Yeah, temporarily it's, it's wonderful, you know. But the end result is a life that is full of destruction. Why would you do that? Why would you do that for simple pleasure, just for a, for a moment of time? Is it worth it? Is it really worth it to invest? He invested in something else that was gonna carry him to a place that was far away from God. He paid the fare thereof, and he went down into it. That's what sin does. That's what paying the fare of a different lifestyle of sin does. It takes you down. It doesn't elevate you. It takes you down into a dark place. He was down in the the ship. I don't know what they call that. I'll call it the belly of the ship. It must have been dark down there. It must have smelled down there. But for some reason, Jonah was comfortable down there. He went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent a great wind into the sea. God is so merciful. I don't care where you are in life, I don't care where you are in sin. God is never going to give up on you. You ever try to outrun a storm? You can't do it. And you're not going to outrun your trials. And you're not going to outrun the tares. And you're not going to outrun the thorns and thistles. There is always going to be something in your life, praise God, that is hurting you and poking you and pricking you, praise God. So quit trying to fight it. Let God fight it. He gives you the power. Let Him stand in the gap for you. Let Him do it. The Bible says there was a mighty tempest in the sea that the that the ship was to be broken. And then the mariners were afraid and cried every man to his god and cast forth wares that were in the ship under the sea to lighten it. But Jonah was gone down in the side of the ship and he was asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, "What meanest thou, O sleeper?" Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. And they said, everyone to his fellow, come, let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. That's amazing. It's amazing to me. And then they said, What is thy occupation, and whence comest thou? What is thy country, and what people are you? And he said unto them, I am a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid, and said unto them, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord. Even sinners know who you are. Because he had told them. Then said, and by the way, your lifestyle is gonna present. It's gonna reveal, it's gonna reflect. Then said they unto him. You ever, I, I, hey, I'll tell you something, I bachelored once before. And I was in the bars and I was in the pool halls. And I'd get into a conversation with people and I'd say, man, I said, yeah, I don't know why I'm here. Sooner or later, I'm going to get out of here. You know, I used to go to a Pentecostal church. And I would tell people. And I'd pray with people in that place, please. And this is kind of what Jonah was, was going through. And it's interesting. He says, then, then were the men exceedingly afraid and said unto him, What hast thou done? Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee? That the sea may become unto us. For the sea wrought and was tempestuous, And he said unto them, take me up and cast me forth into the sea. So shall the sea be calm unto you, for I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. You see, my friend, Jonah had the answer. But he was willing to hide it. He was down in the bottom of the ship asleep. When they brought him to light and he was forced to say it, he revealed who he was. Jonah had a calling on his life. It should have been a calling of love, but it wasn't. He hated the city of Nineveh. The Bible says Jonah is a masculine Or the dictionary says Jonah is a masculine name derived in Hebrew, meaning dove or pigeon. The dove is a bird of peace, and a pigeon is a bird that is used to carry messages. When God calls us, amen, into the ministry, when God saves us for his purpose, amen, we need to approach people with peace. Not a judgmental spirit saying, you're going to go to hell if you, re- if you don't repent. We teach them the ways of the Lord. And like a pigeon, we carry the message to them. We're homing pigeons. We carry the message and then we come home and hopefully we show them the way where home can be for them as well. You see, Jonah had the answer for those that were in trouble, but Jonah did not want to get involved. Wow. He was asleep at the bottom of the ship in order for salvation to occur for those that are in the same storm. We are in the same storm. We are in the same world. The storm in this world we are all affected by Jonah had to be willing to be thrown into the sea. And the church must be willing to step into a world that is raging. Don't be afraid. I know it's uncomfortable. I know, praise God, that it's dark. And sometimes it feels like you're the only one that's doing all the work, praise God. But God didn't call you to be comfortable. He called you to a place of uncomfort, if you will. We see another example in the book of Acts, and I'm, I'm going to rush through this. Acts chapter 27 and verse 18 says, And we being exceedingly tossed with the tempest. Paul, he's being taken to Rome, praise God. He's pursuing the calling of God. He knows his calling is to stand before Caesar. He knows that he's going to face judgment, praise God. He knows that he's there to carry a message. And here he is in this same storm, amen, where the tempest, amen, is unbelievable and it's breaking up the ship. And he says, we be exceedingly tossed with a tempest. The next day they lighten the ship. The third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship and neither sun nor stars in many days appeared and no small tempest lay on us. All hope that we should be saved was taken away. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them. You have to get a picture of this. Here they are rocking and rolling. The ship is tossing them throwing them everywhere praise God and Paul is holding on to the sides like everybody else praise God but but Paul had a divine revelation that nobody was going to be lost praise God and the greatest act of faith amen was releasing the sides stepping out in front praise God in the midst of the storm and telling everybody you're going to be okay praise God I heard the voice of God and if you do what I asked you to do God is He's going to save you too. He's going to save you too. He said, wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. For I believe God that it, it, it shall be even as it was told to me. You see, trials will always be mixed with faith. 1 Peter chapter 7 says, The trial of your faith, being much more precious than the gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, may be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love, and whom though now ye see him not, ye believe, and ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. There are so many people that have strived to, to to receive what, what we received in the church of the living God, amen. But they never attained to that, praise God. We have the goods, amen. If you've been baptized in Jesus' name and have filled with the Holy Ghost and have the power of God living inside of you, praise God, this scripture applies to you in this setting we find Paul caught in a storm Paul was not running from his calling Paul was running to his calling Paul's purpose began at a place called the road to Damascus and I'm coming to a close brother Godfrey where a light was shined upon his life he was trying to do his own thing he was trying to go his own way but a divine interception of God's power and God's glory came into Paul's dark day, praise God. And sometimes the sky can be as clear as day, but we can be in the dark. We can be in the dark. Paul had good intentions, but he lacked spiritual relationship with Jesus Christ. Finally, Romans chapter 8, verse 5 says, For they that are After the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded, to think fleshly is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity or it's at at war with God. For it is not subject to the law of God. Neither can be, Paul says. So then they that are in the flesh can not please God. You're living in sin. God is not pleased. Say it again. We're living in sin and we know that we're living in sin. God is not pleased. But God is so merciful and He loves you so much that He sends the storms of life into your life to bring you out of that dark place. That place where sometimes we can find ourselves sleeping in the bottom of a ship. God wants us to face the storms of life. Because it's in those storms, my friend, where God develops us. He says in verse 9, But ye are not of the flesh, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of you. Here's the point. Paul and Jonah were both caught in the storm. Whether you're a sinner, whether you're a saint, we're in this world together. We're in the storms of life together. And as people of God, we can lack understanding sometimes and feel like something's wrong with. Maybe we did something wrong. Thorns and thistles, my friend, are a part of life. Whether we are in the church or not, tares are here to strengthen us. One day Jesus will separate the wheat forever and the thorns will no longer be a part of our life. Until that happens, as we stand don't allow the struggles in life to overrun the fruit which Jesus is trying to harvest don't run away from God your problems will intensify but if you run to God you're still going to face the storms but God will give you a peace To help you endure the storm, so they don't overcome and destroy. So they don't overcome and destroy. I don't like problems any more than you do, but I realize if Jesus is the author and finisher of my faith.